Welcome to the Project Purple Podcast. And on today's episode, we have Marcy White, Program Coordinator here at Project Purple for our Patient Financial Aid Program. Marcy's going to share her insight into what goes on with patient financial aid at Project Purple. joining us here, Marcy, on our podcast. Hi, guys. I'm excited to be here. Dino, thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So, Marcy, why don't you tell our audience here a little bit about yourself? So, I am, first of all, let me start with my family because that is always important. My wonderful husband, we've been married for too long to count, right? I mean, (laughs) whoever remembers how long. Um, We have two wonderful kids, a girl and a boy. They are 12 and 10 years old. And when I'm not busy with them, I'm constantly thinking of Project Purple and how I can make this place better. And I'm always anxious to come to work and see you guys every day. Thanks for the compliments, Marcy. <laughs> Your check will be in the mail later. <laughs> anytime, uh, anytime. No, no, I was intrigued to work here because I myself am a cancer survivor. So I thought, what better way than to help give back and work for an organization that deals with cancer patients and raises money for cancer? research on that you know being a cancer survivor if you wouldn't mind like I'd, I'd love to share that with the audience here like you know what what was that like and you know what kind of cancer did you have and yeah you know. absolutely so I had I'm a breast cancer survivor I had stage 2a and I battled it back in 2012 when my kids were younger they were I believe eight and six and or six and four I'm sorry they were six and four so it was hard as a family dynamic to have to give up my current position I was also I was working part-time and I was also nannying my nephew so I had to give a lot of that up to get myself better and going through all the struggles I've gone through the chemo I've gone through multiple surgeries Um, I actually didn't have any radiation, but I've had a double mastectomy, so I've gone through all the reconstruction. So I know what it's like on both ends to have the struggles having a family and then also the struggles of trying to survive the daily survival goals of a cancer patient. So working with the patients directly and giving back and being part of this means a lot to me. And I can relate to the patients, so I think that helps both the patients and then also here in-house, keeping it more personal. Well, thank you. What, what do you think, and just talk a little bit about that time in your life. I mean, um, you bring something that's very unique to this organization, the fact that uh, most of us have dealt as the caregiver, right, in helping mm-hmm. that person battling cancer, where you are actually the cancer fighter and a survivor, um, which is unique, as you said, like, you know, talking to the patients and the patient aid program and also the families that are helping them assist with that process. So it's it's a unique perspective. But during your fight, what are some of the things that um, maybe you could offer as guidance or advice to those people listening to this that might possibly be fighting cancer? And it may not be pancreatic cancer, maybe breast cancer, right? That yeah. got you got you through that time. Um, you know, it's it's very hard question to answer because everyone has their own things that work for them and against them. But for me, what helped me was honestly having my kids and having to see their faces every day and know that they need me in the end. So for me, there was no choices. It was only one option and that was to survive. So it did help me mentally every day to fight that fight. 
But I think it helps when I talk to the patients because I can tell them I understand and I'm not just saying it. I think a lot of us tend to nod our heads and smile and say we understand even though we really have never walked in their shoes. So for me, it's a little different when I say I understand. For the most part, I truly understand. I understand what it's coming from to have a significant other and those battles to have the children involved and to have those battles to have your own personal battles of having to look at yourself in the mirror and deal with it and and now you know admit that you have this problem and you have choices you can sit around and mope about it you can get up and do something about it and some days you're gonna have bad days and other days you're gonna have good days so I think it's just a huge dynamic that I can actually say I understand to the patients uh, in regards to having advice for them you know you just got to keep pushing on you're not going to have every day is not going to be hunky-dory you got to just when your body tells you to rest you rest when you can get up and go you get up and go what do you think was the hardest part of that whole fight um probably being in and out of the surgeries the chemo makes you very sick having to explain to your children the process that you're going through and not be able to get up to them oftentimes after surgeries i was down and out i couldn't move couldn't lift anything i was on the medication that would make me a little loopy so that was hard because i couldn't be the caregiver that a mother normally is to their family. So I think that was a mental challenge for me to accept the help from my husband and the family members and friends that were so generous to help with us. It's okay to accept help and you have to learn that early on or you're going to struggle mentally for a long way. So I think that was my hardest thing is to just sit back and accept the help and not push myself quite often. I would pop stitches and the doctors would be like, no. So just learning how to sit back and take it easy was a little hard. Interesting. Very fascinating. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Um, you know, it, it, as I said, it's a, it's a unique perspective that you bring to the table being a survivor um, versus everyone else who's been primarily in that caregiver role, um, you know, here at Project Purple. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. And hopefully, you know, the public can relate, you know, people that are fighting various cancers can maybe relate to some of the things that, uh, that you've mentioned and have said. So right. appreciate it. And now you have two boys yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, when, when my dad was battling, uh, pancreatic cancer, um, you know, my kids were around the same age, you know, as yours. And I think that's a, that's a hard thing. You know, when, when kids are that young, it's a hard thing to explain to them that mommy or daddy or, you know, grandma and grandpa mm -hmm. are sick and really sick. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's challenging, I think, with kids that are that young um, to deal with um, cancer diagnosis. So. Right. Yeah, my kids had a hard time with it, and, and it's hard to watch them go through it. Again, my kids were only six and four at the time, so they each experienced their own ways of dealing with it and coping with it, and ironically, it was very separate than one another. So... While my daughter was going in one direction with her own emotional battle, my son was going in a completely opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely trying, but we made it through. And now we're here to help everyone else make it through. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk about, um, you know, life a little bit, you know, surviving and life after cancer. And maybe mm -hmm. somewhat of that, you mentioned appreciation um, for that. So, I mean, does mm -hmm. that, how does that kind of on you, um, how do you feel about that now, you know, being 
five years out, which is this, this five years is always this magic number, right? Post-cancer, yeah. like to get to that five-year point. And, you know, statistically we know with pancreatic cancer, you know, that the, the number is increasing, mm-hmm. but not as the, the rate that we would like it to. And in other cancers, right. it's, it's right. a lot better. So talk a little bit about that, um, you know, post five years and, and the feelings you have there and also, uh, you know, appreciation, you know, for the things as well. Yeah, of course. So I've always appreciated the family. I think we all do. But then when something life-changing or life-challenging happens to you or someone in your family, you kind of tend to have a whole new dynamic of, first of all, outlook on your own life, but then outlook on what's important, what's around you and what matters, your priorities. And during the time, I was appreciative to have them there because, again, they're what helped me get through every day seeing them whether it was a good time seeing them or not so good time more emotional day seeing them I still had them there um so afterwards once I I was fine and everything's everything is good and I'm clear I'm cancer free and now having those moments with them you just treasure them on a whole new level and it's kind of something you can't really explain in in words it's just a a whole new spiritual feeling when you're with them and when you do things and you don't take those little moments for granted. So when my daughter or my son are very involved in sports, as you know, Mm -hmm. so when they have a game, no matter how silly that game may be or how small the game may be because it's going to be a blowout or it's not going to be a blowout, it's going to be a really competitive game, then I'm going to go. So I make it a point to make that a priority and go to all of their games and be there for them, whether it's emotional or watching them. Uh, my husband too, you know, my husband and I have always been there. We've been through a lot and uh, I think it's just important to constantly lean on each other, let him talk about his day. And now I actually sit down and listen. We do that whole, we do the whole, believe it or not, we do do the whole, we sit down at dinner and then we try to talk about everyone's day and we actually listen as opposed to before we would just rush through dinner to get the kids to sports and to finish off the night so we can start the day again. We no longer do that now. We sit down for dinner as a family and we talk about the day and what's to come the next day and then we rush off to sports after that. But it's still a very busy night. But now I, I make it a point to, you know, be home on time and and balance work and life and play because I think that's that's key and that's idea. And that's something we didn't have prior to me having cancer, I don't think. My husband worked a lot and I stayed home with the kids, but now – he works regular shift, if you will, mm-hmm. and he's home at nighttime with the kids and the family. The family dynamic has changed a lot. So I think that shows the appreciation that we have all grown from this. It's crazy how you think, you know, that, you know, you, you have to have something traumatic and not to say that that's the reason for something like this. Yeah, absolutely. But it's sad, but it's, yeah. But it, it's also society, right? Like we, it's society. We, yeah, we yeah. we kind of get caught up in the hustle and the bustle mm-hmm. and the kids and the sports and the business and growing, yeah. um, which are great things. Mm-hmm. But I think some for every now and then, from time to time, we have to kind of take Sit a step back, back and appreciate the picture before us. Yeah. Instead of sitting on your front porch looking out, people need to be sitting on their front porch looking in that window and realizing what they have inside that house. Yeah. No matter how good or bad it is you still have it yeah, make it good true that's all how your dynamic of looking at it, your perspective of how you look at it and not even for my family my immediate family I mean just I'm sure you have you know brothers and sisters and your 
nieces and nephews. I have two nephews that are my world as well. So if I'm not, you know, busy with my kids, I'm trying to build up that relationship with my nephews to keep that going. My brother and sister-in-law, the, the whole outside family, you know, my parents, his parents, we all get along great. We just went on that cruise together. So it's things like that, that we want to keep, keep going in the future. Well, those are the things that are important. Right. Well, thank you uh, for that. And hopefully, like I said, uh, the the public that is listening can take a a thing or two from that, you know, from your experience as a cancer survivor and really appreciate uh, life as it Mm -hmm. should be. Yeah. And it's not easy to do. So it's just a matter of having to take that breath and being self-conscious of what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, we talk a a lot about here in the office and, you know, just creating habits, right? Like Mm -hmm. make those habits versus, you know, something to, uh, you know, to really just make it an ingrained habit. So like when you go home, you are spending quality time, you know, with friends and family and and doing those sorts of things because life as we all know it um, can change very quickly um, Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat, you know, unfortunately. And those positive habits pay off. So get yourself in a positive routine, a good habit here and a good habit there will pan out in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing your personal experience with cancer, Marcy, and we are excited to have you here. Anytime. I'm excited to be here. It's so much fun working here, guys. I don't think anyone will truly understand. Um, you know, some days it's quiet. Other days, I think Dino, um, has a tendency when we're all getting a little quiet or stressed or the it's a negative flow in the office, then we break and we do like a fun activity around here. So that's kind of, for me, I appreciate it because it's like, hey, he understands. You're giving away aspects. all the secrets on the I'm podcast, I'm sorry, Marcy. but I can't. I can't help it. It's a great place to work. It's, you know, it's not just all about work, 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 work. You understand life. You True. understand and not everyone out there understands, understands, um, you know, the priorities of life, I guess you you can say well I, I think what we do here is critical to families and to scientists and to our runners and to the people that are involved in this community of project purple but i also feel that it's um sometimes a very dark place because we do deal with a lot of families mm-hmm. that have unfortunately gone through you know this thing i call you know, the evil cancer, pancreatic cancer. So it's hard. I mean, it's hard to come into work every day and be motivated if you know Mm -hmm. that, you know, the failure rate or, you know, um, the survival rate is so daunting. You know, it's 9%, 8%, depending on which statistic you look at for five years. So we know- Survival rate. Survival rate, yeah. So if we know that- Yeah, that- We're around so much negativity. Yeah, every day, you know, we're dealing with- you know, patients and families, and we're trying our best to mm-hmm. provide hope and give them an opportunity to beat those odds. And sometimes that's really hard, you know, and it's hard, I think, for us as a team, um, you know, because we get to know a lot of these families pretty well, whether it's on the patient aid side or, you know, the runners or the people that are involved, the volunteers, we hear their stories firsthand and, and that kind of becomes ingrained into us, right? you know, as we build these relationships with these people. So I, I think it's important to have um, fun at what you do. Yeah. And also enjoy what you're doing. It's not even fun. It's more incentives to, like you said, not all cases are good. Sometimes we come in and so it's just more the incentives and the pick-me-ups to keep it level in a positive atmosphere. And that's important to work in a positive atmosphere and 
life's not hunky-dory, so no. when you have a low, you need a high. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the patient aid program. And so you came on board here at Project Purple in October, I believe. Very happily, the, yes, in October. <laughs> beginning of October, which is kind of a crazy time of year for us because we were knee-deep in the fall marathon mm-hmm. season. So you literally hit we're the like ground. Grown running and thrown into the patient financial aid mix. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit, you know, about your experience um, so far with the patient financial aid program and talk a little bit about what you do. Sure. So patient financial aid, dealing directly with the patients, like I said before, is ideal for me because I can relate directly with the patients and try my best to understand if I don't already understand from my past experience that we've already talked about. But uh, so patient financial aid, anyone out there who's battling pancreatic cancer can apply to patient financial aid. They can go to our website, as you know, projectpurple.org, and pull up our application. The application is there and can be filled out. So let me maybe back up a little bit. Patient financial aid, what we want to do is we want to try to help the patients financially to take one tiny little stress, which to them is a huge stress and burden off of their shoulders so that they can help recover after chemo maybe or recover after surgery and not have to worry about this next month's rent or next month's mortgage. So um, we have a process. Application needs to be filled out and sent in. Like I said, you can go on projectpurple.org, fill out the application, send it in. There's a few different criteria that need to be sent in with the application. It's all listed on the application. So the patients fill it out, they send it in to me, and then I go through their file, make a case on them, and make sure that their file is in good order, meaning that everything we need is submitted. And if not, I'm in direct contact with the patient in getting the items that are lacking or that we need. And then once the file is in good order, we send it over and and we figure out what's going to be granted, if anything, how much, what bills are going to be paid. And then once we figure out the What's going to be granted to the patient, I get the file. I'm, again, in direct contact with the patient, letting them know what's going to be granted and awarded towards them in their case. And then I go on and I make those payments happen. And then I basically give them a copy of everything so they have it for their records as well. Um, In this process, so um, you said something before, you know, with the patient aid process is really – a program that doesn't necessarily eliminate bills, right? Because we don't have absolutely not the ability to uh, take away mm-hmm. someone's, you know, thousand dollar copay or yeah. multiple thousands of copays that we've seen come in, right? Of course. But hopefully provide them with. Uh, I I always tend to use the word of you know kind of instant relief, right? Mm-hmm. So for this month they don't have to worry about, right. you know, oh where's the next some of money going to come forward to pay for the mortgage or pay for utilities mm-hmm. or pay for prescription drugs. And, you know, they don't have to necessarily worry about it right then and there. And, and so I think, you know, the program originally, I think when we had this idea back when I started project purple was, you know, in theory was to eliminate, but I think realistically, it's yeah, just not real, especially in today's environment right. where, you know, a, just a general procedure, you know, to have an endoscopic ultrasound, you know, runs, could run as much as $12,000. Yeah. 
years, you know, yeah. and depending on what insurance pays and what insurance doesn't mm-hmm. pay, um, you know, and we just are not set up financially to eliminate a bill like that. Yeah. You know, we can I mean, offset. you guys, right. You can offset coming here. I've learned you guys have an amazing team that does the fundraising on one side and then you, you needed someone to pick up where the, some of that fundraising goes towards, mm-hmm. which is the patient financial aid. So diving right into the patient financial aid, I also realized, you know, yeah, like you just said, we can't pay off any one bill or even we can't even pay someone's rent for a whole year. Everything is just a one-time grant and the patient can then reapply the same month next year. They have to wait a whole year, running year, as opposed to a calendar year. But I do think that makes it fair in giving everyone the patient aid that we can possibly give them. I was very overwhelmed as to the amount of patient applications that were waiting when I got here. And it just showed me how many people are actually affected directly with pancreatic cancer. It was a little overwhelming at first, but it just gave me more motivation to dive in and tackle those cases. And I think that's part of the dynamic of our growth you know, as mm-hmm. you've seen since October, I mean, the, the applications yeah. have been pretty steady. And I think one part of that also, so we've had this tremendous amount of growth in the last three years in all of our programs, but then also working with some of the institutions. I know you've been on a lot of calls with some of the nurse navigators and yes. and some of the groups that now know about us, which is great because the more people mm-hmm. that we can provide assistance with, Hopefully, you know, that program will continue to flourish and continue to help people with that need that we've right. created. So um, that's that's something that I think will be something that will continue to grow. I think it's just going to grow as we get our, our name and Project Purple out there and the more Project Purple spreads across the nation, naturally, the more people who are going to apply for financial aid or maybe not even apply for financial aid, but help raise money. Yeah. So the more you were saying the more we get our word out, the more we get the applications and it's bittersweet. Realistically, it's bittersweet. Marcy, what's the most surprising thing that you've seen with our patient financial aid program since you started? The most surprising thing overall. Good question. I would have to say the thing that surprised me most and sticks out right off the bat would be the age of the patients. Call me naive or whatever. I guess I was just assuming these patients were all going to be older, or I should say maybe elderly. But a lot of the patients that have come across my desk are not by any means older, elderly. They're young, active parents. Maybe they're not parents, maybe, but they're young. They're, they're our age. And I'm still flabbergasted by the amount of younger patients coming through. It's almost like it's getting younger as we're going. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's really fascinating. And I think a lot of people have that misconception that this is an old person's disease where it's clearly not. I mean, there's a lot of I was right there. I thought the same thing. And then I saw the younger the ages got, the more I realized... There is no discrimination here. No, no. And I and I think it's it's really tough. And I think that's where the patient aid program becomes even more critical because with people that are older, 
that possibly are retired, they have pension, mm-hmm. social security. But I mean, I review the files. I mean, it's sad and scary to see how many people go on social security disability early. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like it's just crazy yep. to think at 40 years old, you're mm-hmm. applying for disability yeah. via social security because of pancreatic because, cancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had, I've had 40 people in their thirties, even mm-hmm. someone, uh, not someone, but multiple people in their twenties. And it's, yeah. It's shocking. It's very shocking to see that. So that is the the biggest surprise that right off the bat jumps out at me is yeah. the age of the patients, how young they are. Yeah. And that's where I think the really critical piece of what we're doing, you know, in terms of the patient financial aid really comes into play because these people have kids mm-hmm. and they have houses right. um, and they don't They're, have a lot of savings yeah. you know, or they've depleted their savings. I mean, I've seen a couple apps where people have depleted all their life savings till that point to yes. get to where they are. Yeah. And even so. if they don't have kids, they're right in the, the heat of their career. They're right at the height of their career. You know, you don't want to give up now. You don't want to have to throw in the towel just because of pancreatic cancer. You want to keep that career some of them are just starting off in their career and they're already having to, you know, go out on, on leave because of it. So it's, yeah. it's very trying, I'm sure, for them and it's very devastating on our part to see. Yeah, and I don't think many people um, that are battling, I mean, I, would, I don't know the accurate statistic, but I know from what we see that probably, would you agree or disagree that probably 90% of the people that apply are not able to work anymore because of their treatments. Oh, absolutely agree. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. By far. I don't see how they can, can work. You know, those 10% that do, that are still working, keeping that foot in the door, you go give them props. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy. I did that. I kept one foot in the door, but something like pancreatic cancer versus breast cancer, cancer is cancer. I get it. But at the same time, it, every cancer is very vastly different and something like pancreatic cancer I don't know how it was hard for me to go to work once a week just having breast cancer Mm. and and not to you know take away anything from breast cancer but to go to work at least once a week having pancreatic cancer I I honestly can't that's something that I can't understand (laughs) that's something that I can't fathom in my head because I know how hard it was for me just go once a week yeah so but yeah it's 90 percent of people have to file for a disability and it's sad yeah, it's crazy. All right, so we're going to wrap this up, but I've got three questions here for you before we wrap up. Oh, Marcia. no. So, do I need a drum roll? <laughs> so you might need a drum roll here. Um, but so what has been the most positive thing in your life to date? That's a very open-ended question, I feel. Yeah. It's a little bit of a – you gotta you got to think about this one a little bit. The most positive – I mean, I would have to say that I'm a survivor because I got a second lease on life, and it's my – time to do things right this time around. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So if you could go back in time, I always think this is kind of fascinating and hindsight, as they say, is always twenty twenty. But if you could go back in time at any point in your life, would there be any situation that you would go back to and tell yourself to do something differently? Oh, gosh. Well, no, because then I wouldn't be here today. That's a, that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. And the last question, what are you most excited about for the next 365 days that you're really kind of looking forward to? Is there any one thing? So the one thing I kind of do look forward to is continuing to make patient aid program even better and more efficient than it already is, but also for those team incentives. 
<laughs> no, I don't know. Um, that's another hard question, Dino. I I really just look forward to getting Project Purple. Um, you have me tongue-tied. I don't know what to say. That's a that's a good answer, I guess. We'll I, I look to forward to for taking time, Project Marcy. Purple to the next level and being part of the team. That takes it to the next level. I obviously am not going to be a single-hand, one-man show. None of us can do it without each other. So Correct. I look forward to being part of the team, hopefully getting out to some of the races and meeting some of the people that – do the fundraising on that side of it. This way I'm well-rounded in the, in the organization and can help it grow from there. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Marcy, for your time and for all you do here at Project Purple. And it was can a I turn that, the tables now, though? Because <laughs> now I'm going to ask you those same three questions. Well, that would be in the interview if you get to interview me. But, oh, but I think that would be great. Yeah. Stay tuned, people. We are going to have a, the three of us. A panel, my, myself. A panel yeah, interview, a panel interview of, Dino. of Dino. I like it. That that might that be great. a possibility. That so was great. thank you All again, right. Marcy, for your time. No problem. Thanks, Dino, for having me here. I hope you don't regret it and have me back. Absolutely. We can go Absolutely. more in detail. You're always welcome. <laughs> we'll have to take another topic next time. Thank you. Okay.